Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Not much to talk about today, but I think we're going to get into some trade stuff. Uh, Jonathan Quick traded. We're getting Gabrikov and Coppersillo back. Eric Portillo coming over for a third round pick, as well as what could happen in the future. The trickering drama ends. Lots of stuff to get into. So like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mom. We're about to talk some Kings hockey. Well, what a crazy day. You know, I we uh, were talking, I was thinking this morning, like, or last night, it's like, what are we really going to talk about? Like, this road trip sucked. <laughs> like, yeah, all this kind of stuff like that. Like, what is there really to talk about, you know? And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on the pod and all this kind of stuff. Then just boom, just all these emotions, Joe. All these emotions come in on Wednesday. Um, man, what a crazy 24 hours, man. So, for, again, for those that listen to the pod, they know I'm on the East Coast. So this was a, a game at a reasonable hour against Winnipeg. Late comeback. They win in the shootout. I'm like, this is a freaking, what a great way to go to bed. Right, Go to bed in a good mood, ready to get after it for the next day. I wake up, and I'm like in this haze of what the hell, What is? what am I reading? What happened? I didn't go. It, I went to bed. It was like eleven thirty. I thought like it wasn't early, but it wasn't that late. But then I get three hours makes a big deal, and I, I honestly didn't know. My initial reaction was like I think I just think kind of in shock that Quick was traded for a number of reasons. Um, the kind of like sentimental, emotional part has kind of like hit me at random spots throughout the day where it's like I'm, I'm taking my kid to soccer today and it's just, oh, I, I had this like 
flash of Jonathan Quick, like throwing it, like barking at an official because a, his helmet was off or something like that, like that fiery Jonathan Quick, mm -hmm. like that battle. It's like, that's gone. You know, so like these random moments have kind of popped into my head over the last, you know, all day. But initially it was just this like, what is going on and what is happening? So I don't know what you thought, but what a crazy, crazy thing to wake up to. Yeah. Uh, you know, before I get into what I thought, I just want to thank you everybody for coming in the chat. Shank Master was coming in here early, dropping it in there at, at 8, 840. Uh, it'd really be good if this year if Blake would make a bold deal to shock Kings fans. <laughs> Any ideas of what that might look like? Well, I think we got that. Uh, CJ coming in here. No worries. We started a little bit late. Johnny Vampotna coming in here. Woo, what a rush. Hey, boys. Jael, always listening. Thank you. Appreciate it. CJ F. Armstrong. Just wanted to get that out. He's talking about the GM of the Coyotes for making us wait for that, that bad return, in my opinion. But we'll get to that later. Uh, my reaction... One, this one, every for everybody listening, this is not going to be uh, a Jonathan Quick homage podcast. We'll get to that, break down the top moments like we did with Brown, really go through his career and everything like that. I think a lot of people are still in shock uh, about this. this. is mainly about the trade here. Um, you know, as far as the trade goes, I didn't think that this would ever happen, to be honest no. with you. I thought that they seemed to be really going forward with the hey we're gonna allow these this these core guys to retire as kings and if we do trade them you know they're gonna have their spot in mind and and all this kind of stuff and so like when i woke up i mean i found out through my group text with my brothers that that hey quick been trade like they were up before me you know and uh i don't know like it just seems like it's one of those things where on paper, taking emotions out of it, if you're a robot, it's like, okay, the Kings got better. But like when you're trading away a guy who probably single-handedly carried us in 2012 with one of the best goalie performances in a playoff I've ever seen. And then again in 14, it's like he's the best goalie in Kings history, right? And so... Oh, yeah. I just think it's just it's just tough. Like it was just instant this morning. Like and like you said, emotions were like. I almost wanted to just step back and be like, "Well, let me just not react to this trade in the, in the chat or drop f bombs <laughs> or do whatever that a lot of people are doing on Twitter and just kind of like take the whole day before I post my reaction." And like the my first reaction to it was was when Columbus might be trading him to Vegas. <laughs> I was <laughs> like. And I was like, man, dude, if Jonathan Quick just has this, I'm so pissed off, I'm going to do whatever it cans to make them prove that I can still play hockey and leads Vegas to a Stanley Cup, I might jump into oncoming traffic is what I wrote. you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, I just think, man, with this, with this trade, it's just so weird. Like you expect, I expected Muzzin and Toffoli and all those guys to leave because yep. we were rebuilding, right? I didn't expect this. I thought... John, I thought Jonathan Quick was going to do a brownie moment a week before the season ends in the regular season. Be like, hey, I'm going to be retiring. I didn't want to be a distraction and, and say this earlier in the season and and all this kind of stuff. And and then kind of just right off to the sunset, whether he was a backup goalie or not in the playoffs, at least he was with the boys in his final ride. Uh, and now we're it's it's you know, we're not going to get that. I mean, I assume. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't really. You don't really see it a lot in hockey. You see it a lot more in like baseball and football, where they sign a player to like a one day contract to re, to retire with the team that drafted him, 
wonder if they'll do something like that. And obviously he probably gets his number retired and, and all that jazz, yep. but just like the initial reaction, I, I don't know. Like it was just kind of like a weird thing. Like, okay, we, you know, you know me, I was boomer bust. Like it's chicken yep. or not, right. Or go get Soros, like throw these prospects and get, go get it done. We didn't get chicken. We didn't get one of the top goalies in the game. I think we got better as a team, but it's like, it wasn't the boom trade that I was thinking we would get. And then you trade away a player that's so beloved. It was just kind of a mixed bag for me, even though like, I think the Kings are better mm -hmm. right now. It was just such a mixed bag. And I think it's going to take multiple days to kind of unfold this. So like in your heart. Right. But that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. There's a lot of layers to this to unpack from whether it's <clears throat> the Kings fan emotional part of it with Jonathan Quick or even just the trade and the assets and what they acquired and uh, are, the, are the Kings better, how much better, all that stuff. There's a, there's a lot to kind of unpack here. And the first thing I'll say is, and it was probably the one of the first things I said this morning, at least on Twitter, is I give Blake all the credit in the world. This takes a set to make a deal like this. Um because, and this is exactly how I want my general manager to act. You have to set the emotion aside. Jonathan Quick, uh, let's just be honest. He hasn't been good. Uh, and it sucks. He hasn't and, even been good. He's been horrible. Yeah. And, it, it, and, it, and it, it is what it is. He has really done a number on probably well it's it's just it's not been good right and it, they cannot go into the playoffs with that caliber of goaltending now obviously copy was going to be the one that gets the majority of the starts um so i was skeptical that i had been saying for a month now maybe however long we started like trade deadline discussion was any goalie that comes in has to be definitively better than phoenix copley because they're not moving quick. Where's quick going? A, who wants him? And B, they're not going to ditch him. It's the franchise legend. I just didn't see this coming. So I, I'm glad I was wrong in that sense because this is what you want your GM to do. He's got to make these tough decisions. This is why he gets paid to do it. And he did it. And I, and I give him a lot of credit. And it sucks from a fan standpoint. But, you know, Rob Blake's job isn't to appease the fans. Rob Blake's job is to try to asset manage and, and try to win hockey games and try to make, make his team as best as possible. And for the rest of this season, that did not include Jonathan Quick. So if we're just, as you said, stripping the emotion away from it, he did the right thing. We can question the, the return, I guess. Um, I think Corpus Allo is probably the best of like the rentals. Like you're talking like Cam Talbot yeah, yeah. was out there. What did you before we get into like what sure. we think about like the trade from a data standpoint? Did you did you I want to kind of break it down? There's a lot of people on Twitter like asking thinking Rob should be fired and like giving out his right. perso personal address to like to people Whoa. like to go like send him hate mail and stuff like that. Like it's because of quick, yeah, no. getting pretty no. ridiculous. No, here's and, the thing. Oh, go and ahead, I understand I understand that from a fan standpoint, quick's beloved in LA like it's no it's no joke do you and a lot of people think that he should have got better than what he got which was a phone call but Rob Blake in in the press conference that people who haven't listened to it said hey I was not on the road with the team I wasn't gonna have quick find out via Twitter I was gonna call him right away that he'd been traded this is the only way that I could have done it I called Kopi and and yep. Dewey right away after that and then I called Deneau and Ted McClellan right after that so 
like it, it was this is the only way that could happen. I didn't want him to find out from somebody else. I wanted him to find out from me. And that's that's how it had to go down. Uh, hey, again, I give I reiterate what I said. I give Blake all the credit in the world. The the I cannot even imagine how difficult that trade was to do for for Rob Blake and to make for Rob Blake. The phone call he had to make to and listen, I don't know what conversations he and Blake's or uh, and Quick's uh, team, if you will, have had. Um, if if Quick saw this coming, if Quick knew this was a possibility. I mean, I hope that maybe they had these, but but regardless, like Rob Blake's job is to try to make this team better. They have a chance to win the division. They have a chance to have some home ice in the playoffs. He and he did it. Uh, and I know like, the Eastern Conference is better, but if you get into seven game series, anything's possible, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's just like he has to. He has a chance to 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 really push with how, I mean, in the press conference, he didn't say it was because the West was weak, but let's all call a spade a spade. The West is weak. So it's, we're one of the top teams and we got, and we got better. I think, and you look at, and he said that there's been zero contact with his agent about an extension. So even if quick wanted to play our is like, you know, King's rule comes in here and says quick said he wants to play next year. So if Blake would have been a really bad guy, if he didn't give him a deal, like at what point, you know, do you, there's got to be a point where it ends, right? Because I don't no think they would have signed. There's no, there's no good way for it to end, right? Yeah. Unless he says, scenario. I'm retiring and he retires right. on top. I mean, there's no right. way to hide him either. And a lot of fans have been saying this like, Brownie got hit on the third and fourth line, right? Dow- when Dowdy gets towards the end of his career, he'll probably be on the third line playing or maybe second line playing, right? So there's really no way to like hide him. Kopitar will probably ride off into the sunset as a two or three C, right? So it just really. It really means something different when you only have two goalies. You can't, nobody's going to really carry a third. It's very rare. I know New York Rangers did it, and everybody's like, oh, Lundquist was just as beloved to New York, and they did it with him. But it doesn't mean it was a better situation. Right. Right. I mean, Lundquist said that he hated it sitting, like, sitting in the press crock, uh, like with a suit on all season. Right. So it's just really tough here. And I, and I think this whole situation with Quick is, when you watch a team for this long, beloved players are, are gonna are gonna get traded. It's very mm-hmm. rare when a player plays his entire career like Brown or like Derek Jeter or yada yada yada, right? Like that stay there the whole time. They're a Hall of Fame type player. Patrick Kane just got traded. Patrick Kane got traded, right? So Gretzky got traded twice, right? And so it's just it happens and it's really tough and and there's really no easy way to go about it and i think that obviously we all believe that quick will get his number retired quick will get the same ceremony yep. that dustin brown got and well deserved uh i just and i and i don't blame jonathan quick for being pissed either like no. what frank cervelli said hey not. like he probably wants to ride out with his boys like hey i'm fine i'm not fine sitting on the bench but at least i'm here with you know in la we're going to play for a you know playoff push i'm going to be the best teammate possible and now he's going to you know, the bandit desert where careers go to die in Columbus, right? Like uh, their team's not very good. I know they're trying to trade him and I know the team's on a rebound. I was being a little dramatic there, but it's like, you know, it's just like, does he really want to play for a losing team? Like probably not. I think, I think he would rather sit on the bench in a team that he grew up playing on than, than playing for a team that has nothing to play for. Right. Cause 
don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. He's a, he's obviously a competitor. I wouldn't be surprised if you see this put a chip on his shoulder and if he gets traded and he plays some, you know, his best hockey of the season down the stretch. Who knows? But to answer your question before, though, about Rob Blake and the fans and whatnot, absolutely not. Again, if anything, I give him credit for what he did. I applaud him for what he did because it's a tough thing to do, and I give anybody credit that makes a tough decision like that. I have questions for Rob Blake because of – I should say this, because the deadline's not over, right? We are recording this on, on – what is this? Wednesday night. So there's still all of Thursday and most of Friday, so the deadline is not over. So my concern is if the Kings think they've addressed the defense – I don't agree, but that's a different discussion, I suppose. I don't have an issue with him trading quick. I have an issue with him acquiring Vladislav Gavrikov um, for what, at least my interpretation of what they think, where they think he's going to play, which could be totally off. I could be way wrong on that because what do I know? Um, and again, it's we're, we're two days before the deadline, so there is more still to come. So that's wrapping that up by saying that, but I'm not at all upset about Blake making the decision to trade quick or how it was done or anything that he did the best he could in a tough situation. I give credit for doing it. It was kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. I got vibes of like, uh, almost like a, a boyfriend apologizing to a girlfriend when he was explaining the trade. He's like, I just want to reiterate that I think the world of Jonathan <laughs> quick and he's a legend on this team, <laughs> but you know, we had to make the trade cause we got better. Oh, I just want to reiterate, like he said that like four or five yeah. times, like because he knows he's catching yeah. so much heat from Kings fans. Every fan should appreciate what Rob Blake is trying to do. Yeah. I it's genuinely not easy. believe that. It's not easy to be a GM in general, right? Only and one to team gets that. to host the hookup. It's hard to make dynasties and it's hard did, to make the tough moves. Yeah. Though these are the tough ones, like trading Carter and Muzzin when you're in a rebuild, that's easy. I, I, you know, easy, relatively speaking, right? This, this is tough. Yeah. This is tough. And I, hey, I give him credit for that. Let's get into the return, right? So it's the actual trade. Uh, we gave away a first round pick uh, and a third. And Jonathan Quick, they accepted all of Jonathan's salary. I believe we cleared 1.7, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, cap space uh, for Gavrikov. Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas uh, Corposalo, right? So Vla uh, Vladislav Gavrikov is a defenseman. We'll start with him. Uh, 6'3", 221 uh, out of Russia, as you can tell. Uh, sixth round pick from Columbus, so really has outplayed his his draft stock. Two, uh, 256 games played, 73 points, uh, minus 23, if you really believe, uh, kind of go the plus minus there. But average time on ice, 20 minutes a game. So he's a minute eat eater. Corsi 4 is only 46%. Now, you, you like to dive deep into these stat sheets and all this kind of stuff, Joe. You're a big stat head. Do you believe that Corpus, or, uh, Gavrikov can play better on a better team? Because Columbus has not never really been good during his tenure there. Do you think he can play better hockey on a competing team as in the LA Kings? I think that is a very good question, and I think that that is what the Kings are banking on. Vladislav Gavrikov... Like, and I know there's a lot of discourse on Twitter that I've been in, involved in. And I want to be clear, like, I'm not saying the player, the player is valuable for what he does. Okay. And I've watched a lot of video on Gavrikov today, looked at a lot of different 
analytics and statistics, at least publicly available. He is a player that when he's in his own zone, he can he will block shots. He's an absolute animal with eating pucks, and I appreciate that. He's got a long stick. He's an active stick, so he's good at breaking up passes. I actually think uh, Mike Kelly, I want to say, had referenced his uh, on Twitter his his slot, the way he breaks up passes through the slot. So in his small quadrant of the defensive zone, I do think there's something that can be effective there. However, and this is where my, my issue is. So if you're telling me Gavrikov comes into play basically in the Edler spot, okay, on that third pair, I don't hate this. Like, I think, I, I think it's a reasonable shout for a, he's a younger, and I think he's played some better hockey in the past. This year's not going well. And I think if you put him on the third pair, you're getting him against not nearly as tough of competition as he has had been and forced to play in Columbus, not nearly the, the, the minute load. So I do think that there can be something there. The, the, the tough part for me is if, if, and I stress, if the Kings vision, because again, a lot of the talk was about Chikrin or Provorov or some of these other guys that are going to slot into that, that second left D, right? Because they're a little bit more dynamic. Um, Gavrikov is not. And, and where he really, really is a struggle is anything that involves the moving part. So he is not great when it comes to to defending his own blue line and defending zone entries. He's not great at retrieving pucks, turning around, going back and getting pucks. He's not great at zone exits. So when he does get the puck, does he possess it? And does he make a good play and get out of the zone? He's not good at any of those things. Now, is he going to be better in LA's structure and in LA's system? Maybe. I'm just skeptical to the idea that, oh, we've got a guy that's big he shoots left-handed, we've addressed our lefty. I don't subscribe to that because I don't think he's that. I think he can be a I think he can be a better younger Alex Adler. Now, if that's the case, so we didn't address the lefty. Right? It's still well not, well, not long Roy, term. Gab Gabrikov, not long term, right? But Wagner. Walker, excuse me. So that's that's where I'm at with Gavrikov is like I, I see what the point of Gavrikov is. I, I get that. My thought is we are the Kings already have Alex Adler. So where does he play? So if you're telling me he plays with Matt Roy, that's not a second pair on a on a contending team. So that's where my that's where I'm and again, we're recording this on Wednesday. We'll see if th something else comes down the pike. I don't know. Rob Blake said today in this press conference that he has yet had to have a conversation to see where he fits Gavrikov. He hasn't talked to McClellan about it. He says he's liked or has been okay with the performance of Sean Dursey on the left side, which if you're reading between the tea leaves a little bit, perhaps that's a hint that you may still see Dursey Roy and it might be Gavrikov Walker. Perhaps you might see something like that. Um, and it kind of slides, pushes Adler down a little bit. I, I don't know, right? It's that, that that's that's where it's and, and if they do that, are the Kings better? Yeah, I think he he's a but it's marginal. Like that's that's that is not a need. If you're swapping Gavrikov for Adler, that's a that's that's nothing. Like he's younger, and I do think the upside could potentially be better, especially in a better environment. So I I, I fine, 
but that's like but marginal think at it's, best. Don't you think it's a, as a whole though, right? So say he does play second pair mm-hmm. and Jersey plays third pair, yep. right shot D and now, sure. and now Walker is the odd man out. Jersey's back on the right side. You're having, you know, three left shot defensemen. Is the overall decor better? Because, I mean, even though Walker has had his spurts this season playing some pretty good hockey, he's back down to the hashtag not my Walker the last <laughs> couple of weeks, right? So is this team overall better with him there? Does the PK get better, right? I mean, at that point, the, and, the, you know. The, yeah. the PK has been a problem. Um I don't know. Like, are they better? I I am not convinced that this is anything more than a marginal upgrade to the decor, if that. Now, to be fair, the Kings decor has performed okay. So it's not as if like the, the problem has been in goal. Like the decor has not been that bad. So you could make the case that, you know, whatever. I if it's but if you're looking at a Gavrikov, think about it your second pair D. Okay. If you're going against the Edmonton Oilers and they split McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, that, that second pair may have to see a lot of Leon Dreisaitl. Or if I'm at home and I'm, and I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I am putting Connor McDavid. I might load up that first line, put them together and let them feast off of Gavrikov and, and Matt Roy, because they will, because they're not good in transition. Gavrikov is not that good in trade. He's good, again, he's good in zone, long stick, breaking up passes, blocking shots. That's where he's effective. Not great through the neutral zone. So that's where my concern is. I just don't, I, I, it's too early to say because I see the value in the player. I don't, I don't subscribe. It's just a difference of philosophy in terms of we need this big guy because he's big. I, I don't subscribe to that. Um, but I can see the value in the player if he's playing in replace of Alex Edler. I don't know that the, I genuinely, your question is fair. It moves Dursey to the right side. It moves bumps Walker out, or maybe you play around with Dursey, or maybe you have a Dursey, you know, you have a Dursey Walker pair when you rest Edler. But that's another thing, Randon. If he plays, if he plays second pair, they've been resting Edler a lot. Do you think Edler's capable of playing a seven game series in playoffs? Like game in and game off? off? I mean, you're, you're in days off, though. With how hard those series are, you 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 feel good about it. And this is why you can sell me on the fact that this is more for Edler's spot because you're going to need you're going to now have a third pair of Roy Walker, or excuse me, Jersey Walker potentially, or maybe you keep Jersey Roy and it's Gavrikov Walker. Like this is this is where this is why it's all it's deck chairs to me. I don't know that the decor is genuinely that much improved. I, I really don't. I mean. Is it better to have Gavrikov than, say, Tobias Bjornfoot? Fine. So I think depth-wise, one to seven, or we know one and two, so we'll call it three to seven, is better. Agreed. I- I'm okay. I can I can buy that. I just think the the upgrade here is so 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 minimal on the blue line that it's very. Ugh, that's where I'm at. I don't know if that made any sense or if that helped you at all or if you have any no, questions, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> no, I, I I I kind of agree with you. And like I said, I don't you know a lot more about hockey outside of LA than I do. And you watch a lot more film and, and stuff like that, being from New York, a hockey place and, and all that kind of stuff. So I obviously take your advice with with what this player is. For me, my next question would be does the first round pick 
come more into the play of getting this combination. Yes. I think Rob Blake was like, hey, we need a goalie and a left shot D. Arizona yep. ain't trading Kareel, so I need a, I can kill two birds with one stone. So essentially, I'm a trading a first for two players. 100%. So I think, and I think credit really, frankly, to Columbus on this because I think that Columbus probably realized nobody really wants Gavrikov for the price. You know, they probably hoping to get a first. It ain't going to happen. So how do we get a first? We package them. So if you would have traded these guys separately, what are you getting? A second and a third, maybe? Maybe two thirds, two. But here they get a first, right? A conditional, right? But the, if, as long as the Kings make the playoffs. So I think it was actually good on Columbus's end. And, I, and again, I totally get it from LA's end. What are the glaring needs? Lefty, goalie. I think they did better between the pipes than they did at lefty is, is kind of where I fall on this. I'm just, no matter how, wherever you put these guys, I'm, I just don't know how much of an upgrade the blue line really is right now. I, 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 that's, I genuinely believe that. And so to answer your question, though, yes, I think the first wasn't for any one of these guys on their own. The first was probably a multiple, like for the first was the package. And also, listen, we got some cap space. The Kings got some cap space by moving quick. So I think that's part of it as well. So, and I don't have a, I, listen, I don't have a huge problem with trading the first. Like it's a, it's hopefully, a, it's going to be a later first. It's the Kings hopefully really. 32nd. The Kings really did need to address. I mean, especially when things fell through fell through or however you want to phrase it with they weren't going to get Chikrin. So that first round pick now you could argue, could we, could the Kings have used that first round pick somewhere else? I guess we'll find out what happens over the next couple of days. I'm not losing sleep over the losing the first round pick though, because I do think they did address a couple of needs. It's just how, how much better did this trade make them is the question. Do you think they're overvaluing Walker and, and Edler at this point? To not go out and get really like a a, a I can't home answer run the, lefty. I, I can't answer that because I don't know yet how I'll I I'd be better off answering that after I kind of see how they how Gavrikov fits. So or or after the deadline ends and there's and we can kind of let the dust settle and see everything. That's a tough it's a tough one to answer now just because I want to see where they think Gavrikov fits and I want to see what else happens here over the next day and a half. So I, I don't know. I think it's like Edler serves a good role. He serves a role. It just feels redundant. Gavrikov feels like a younger, fresher, can play every day. Edler, you know, yeah. that's 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 how I view him. Um, so I just want to see. Do you feel they... like, do you feel like Edler could play on the second pair no. every third game? No, no. Not in a not no, no. All right. Nope. Uh, we got uh, the other part of the trade from Finland is uh, Yunus Corposalo. Um, he's making one point three million. He was a third round pick out of Columbus, sixty second overall. Played over two hundred games in the National Hockey League, going eighty seven and seventy eight uh, with uh, twenty four overtime uh, and three shutout wins. Uh, Career 3.06 and 9.03. So obviously the base stats, not really doing it for me, Joe. But you're looking at a lot of the underlying stats as far as expected goals percentage and, and you know making tough saves when needed. 
is he a product of Columbus's defense just being awful? And is there some good traits to where maybe if he can get on track with a team that's putting more pucks in the net that they're giving up, that he could kind of resurrect the second spot uh, on the Kings? Um, listen, I, I think here's my thing with I do think Corpus, listen, Corpus Allo has played. This is probably his arguably his best year. He's playing very well this year. Um, he is for his career. It hasn't been exactly been good, or at least not consistently good. As you mentioned, he's got a career save percentage of nine Oh three. And that includes this year's nine thirteen. So, you know, I don't know what that math is, but he's barely a 900 save percentage for his career. So let's not get it twisted. Jonas Corposalo is, I don't know that anybody classify him a, as, as a good goalie coming into the year. However, he's having a very good season and I will not deny that. Um, so I'm open. I was open to the idea of Corposalo, um, and I do think he's an upgrade big time on Quick. And it at least, I think he can and probably will be an upgrade on um, Phoenix Copley. But we're talking short samples, and we've talked to goalies on this podcast a lot for for good reason. It's been rough. I just think that I think we. We'll, sometimes we'll underestimate. We talk about when players come into new systems, right? Goalies have to adapt too, okay. And and I and and I'm I'm partially stealing this from uh, Kevin Woodley, who who had said this on the PDO cast, who does a great job. Where it's like they they're coming in to a new system, to a new defensive system, a new defensive structure. Like Columbus was brutal, giving up shots from everywhere, giving up shots from the high danger zone, and the Kings don't necessarily give up shots from the same in the same manner from the same places. So he's going to have to adjust to that. He's going to have to adjust to a, probably a lighter workload. So there's, there's things, there's communication things, tendencies of his defensemen. So there's, there's going to be things that he's going to have to adjust to. Um, so while I do think he's an upgrade, I do think he helps add to the depth and I think he makes the team better. I don't look at this as like, Oh, LA got the goalie. They're fine. Right. Now they're all set in that. Like, I still think it's probably a Corpusalo, and they'll probably give him a chance to, to to play well and see what happens. But Copley, I'm sure, is going to get some time. I think it improves the goaltending. I don't look at Corpusalo as any sort of like the Kings have their answer in net, if that makes sense. So you, based on what you're saying, you believe – do you believe it's going to be a 50-50 split going down – I, I, do you think they do you think T Mac gives Corpusalo a chance to prove himself to earn a job? Right? Because ultimately I, I, the Kings, you want the hot goalie going into the playoffs. So right. Here's so the thing. in order to get Corpusalo hot, you would have to play him. It, and there's only 20 something games left. So is it gonna be a 12-12 split? Like, is he gonna if Corpusalo pitches a shutout, is he getting the next game and that he rides it until it's no longer Rideable? Like, how do you? You're T Mac. Let's let's pose the question this way. You're Todd McClellan. Yeah. How would you go about the situation? So, and this is a really good question, Randa, and and you bring up a really good point because there's 20 games left, and ideally you would have probably played, um, you know, made it. Ideally, you'd probably get a goalie like a month ago. Again, I talked about getting him used to these defensemen, how they communicate, their tendencies as defensemen, how they move the puck, the system that he's playing, the system that the Kings are playing in, where his shots are coming from. You could, you, you probably like him to be a little bit more comfortable. Now, I don't know the logistics here. I don't know when he's arriving 
in Los Angeles, if he's there, how much practice time he gets. So I, I may not start him on the next game against Montreal. I may give him a couple of days, perhaps, and then he's in net on Saturday against St. Louis. Maybe that's how I look at it. Um, but again, I guess I'll leave. I would leave that to Corpus Allo. I don't know how he feels when he's getting it, all that stuff. But so I would think. I, I would because you you want him to get as much time with the Kings as you can, so you have twenty games left. Like you, you I, I think he's probably going to play at least half of them. But if he plays fifteen of them, well, now Copley's only played five games down the stretch. So like, I, I don't know. I I would say he's going to get at least half the games because I think you want him to get time and reps in the system with the king's defenseman and the king's defensive structure so let's let's break this down here as a whole now obviously we've we've broken down each individual player after thinking about it do you believe this was a fair trade do you believe we overpaid do you kind of like where this kind of sits and ultimately the best question is do you think this helps the kings i don't think the the trade pieces that the Kings gave up. I don't think the trade is unfair by any means. Again, I think they, uh, they addressed, I wouldn't say that they solved their two problems, but they have addressed their two problem positions, lefty and goaltending. Okay. They've added depth to those positions at the very least. Um, and I think if you're going to address two positions of need at once, a first, you are dumping a, a, a contract. you a third, maybe you say you pay a third to do that, and that's how the deal shakes out. I think that's reasonable. I mean, the question is, I'm sure that everybody has as well, that first could have been used for something else, but I guess that's that's kind of beside the point here. Like In terms of talking to this deal, I, I think it was fair. I think they got marginally better. I think they got I – I do think they improved in goal more than they improved on the blue line. I, I will definitely agree with that. Um, is it enough? I'm hesitant to say that, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I think right now the Kings still line up to play Edmonton if it were to end today, and there's a lot of moving parts that could still change. But, like, do you feel, do I feel much better today than I did yesterday playing against Edmonton with Gavrikov and Corpus Allo? No. No, I th again, I think it's negligible. I think it's it's a it's a marginal increase uh, upgrade. Like, I, well, I don't you got marginally better, but you're okay with giving a first to be marginally better. I, well, <laughs> well said. I think when you look at what the Kings were trying to do, okay, I'll put it this way: I would not have done this trade personally. Me putting myself there you go. In, in the Rob Kings like put his balls on the table, and I, you gotta you gotta do the same. I, I wouldn't have, but I can understand the logic here, right? Of of addressing two positions of need, so that's why I'm okay. And I and you again, listen, moving out and opening up cap space is a big deal, so that matters in this. Like they can still do some other things here in the next day or two because of that. So when you look at it that way, I get it, and I have no problem per se with the price. I'm not a big enough fan of the players to where this is not the direction I would have. Like, I wouldn't have called Columbus. I would have called Columbus about Corposalo and try to head those conversations, see if what, what's the cost on Corposalo. I wouldn't even mention Gavrikov's name, but that's just me. Yeah. Okay, so that's 
there's a little difference in philosophy as well. I think it's going to come down. I, I was not a fan of this trade. I, I, I think it does help us get better. I think it mm -hmm. does. I think it does help us with depth, right? Because we were one injury away from Copley uh, being swept in the first round um, <laughs> and, and everything like that. I think Gavrikov is going to have a better, I think probably will help the, the penalty kill uh, just being his size and mm -hmm. how well he disrupts and everything like that. That could be a benefit. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a late first round pick. I just wasn't overwhelmed. Like I wasn't like if I saw Chikrin come across my phone, like I would have had a smile on my entire and it wouldn't really matter unless we trade trade away my boy Clark, right? So like like I would have been smiling all day. Like especially and we could talk to him about it right now, like especially what Ottawa gave up for him. You know, like, yeah. like it, it seems to me that like maybe that maybe that price came from the Kings trade, right? Like they took another piece off the board for glove shot d and everything like that kudos for ottawa staying patient mm -hmm. but i mean i would have easily have rather rather have given up what ottawa gave up for chikrin than and still had jonathan quick on the team risking the fact that we don't have goalie depth but i think you exponentially increase the left shot d with chikrin over what we got here now i will say we're grading this trade in in a vacuum i think the biggest um, the biggest thing to look out for is that cap space. Now, yep. if we get another, if we bring in a center, right, a, a legit third line center, move Lazat down, and you know, obviously, we were talking about O'Reilly and Monahan and all these players. Well, now we have a little bit more room. What if we bring in a guy like that, and then the team overall is a whole lot better, right? Um, you know, or we bring in a, a, a rental, another rental defenseman or something like that. I think we got to wait till the dust settles to see yeah. overall yeah. what this cap space gives us because there's no reason to move quick without, because it, the best part about moving quick is the cap space. Correct. So there's no reason to move him unless you're trying to, to adjust and make another move. Right. So, yep. you know, and, and, but, Normally, as you've seen it in years past, okay, we've traded Alex Martinez. This is the last move. We're no longer in the market for doing anything. Rob Blake was adamant, like, no, we're we're still yep. we're still moving yep. around, and we'll get to the other trade he made today later on. But I, I think that the cap space is the most interesting thing. I think it does give us depth. I wouldn't really have given a first for that. I think you probably could have got less, but I think you know Rob Blake's like, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. To me, it's just a really ant trade. In a, in a vacuum, but we'll see what it gives us, the cap space gives us. And I think whether the deadline is a success or failure probably has to do with our next trade we're going to talk about and probably his career and then the outcome of the season. Like how, how well do these players play down the stretch? How far do we get in the playoffs? Sure. <clears throat> well, you know, that uh, obviously winning cures everything. We go, we can make a deep playoff run. You know, it's going to, most people are not going to, uh, uh, care about a a one year uh, first round pick, so we'll see yeah. how that comes out and and, and goes forward. Uh, anything else before I move on to uh, to the next part? I guess the last thing. I mean, you mentioned Chikrin. Um, I have a, just a couple of thoughts on that. Like I yeah. I get it that the people that a lot of people say, well, how did the Kings not match that? Well, they they actually can't match that. They can't. They can't. They don't have a pick as high as Ottawa. They're not going to have a pick as high as Ottawa, and evidently Arizona valued that the, what the question is is like it 
it's just bizarre to me that it took this long. And if they weren't interested in prospects, evidently, like it was really a whole, that's a bizarre. And again, I, so according to Bill Armstrong, he was like, uh, the most important things was getting a high pick and not having to accept any money. Yet you're accepting all this other people's money and, and all these deals, like to accept a little bit. Maybe it was the fact he didn't want to accept a player with contracts back in well, return. The, well, yeah, that so he can't do salary. He can do cap. He can't do they can't do salary. Real money they can't do. Yeah. But cap money they can do. So and kind of so in and and I'm gonna just say it one last time and be done with Chikrin, but like whatever Gavrikov can do on D, guess what? So can Chikrin. Like he's big, he's tall, he's long. He's not afraid to block shots. He gets his stick in lanes. He's really good defensively. He's really good defending his own blue line. He's incredibly better at Gavrikov in the D zone and as a defenseman, like unquestionably. So this idea that the Kings wanted more of a defensive defenseman, that was Chikrin. <laughs> so that's just yeah. mind-blowing to me how Do you think this gets area. Ottawa in the playoffs? They're only no, a couple of points behind. I don't know that it gets them in the playoffs, but I don't think it matters because Ottawa to me, when I, we talked about this, how I kind of like the fit with Ottawa because Ottawa's not looking necessarily for right now. And the attractive thing about Trickern is it isn't just for right now. He's for two more years after this and potentially more if they pay him. So that I, left side of the D looks ridiculous right now. Yeah. And they've got a pretty good young crop of forwards. They got a, they, that's a pretty good team that's, that's, percolating right now so that's why i kind of like that fit he kind of slots right into that age group of players so i think it was a nice fit for the sends and a great get for them it's a great deal for the senators so i like it and, and i'll just echo that i agree with you like quick being a part of this deal with gavrikov corpusalo like i guess you could say they had to do it quote unquote because they're getting a goalie back so they had to move a goalie out maybe it's as simple as that but there's cap space here that's going to get used, I think. Well, before we go to DraftKings, I, I, I circled some questions earlier, and I forgot to get to them, and I think this is part of the trade. And it's been a big narrative on Twitter, uh, and Jacob comes in here. Uh, Yonan, thank you for, for coming on here. I think it's the first question that you've asked us. Uh, appreciate the, the follow there, buddy. Uh, the question is, do we really get better, quote-unquote, if it jacks up the room? So, and uh, I, I think... I think this is something that can happen, right? I mean, you have locker rooms. It's known in sports. We have mm -hmm. multiple podcasts that some locker rooms are better than others. Some organizations are run better than others. And like when you go into a different locker room, the feel is there. Like, oh man, this is a really run locker room. The veterans are doing it great. Quick was one of those guys. Yep. And obviously has strong ties to his brothers in, in Kopitar and, and Dowdy and, and et cetera, et cetera. Do you think it jacks up the room? Do you think that do you think that this is enough to blow off the chemistry that that it's having or do you believe that the leadership is too strong, T-Mac is too good of a coach to to let this happen? Um again, this obviously this is just a guess here. I'm I'm an outsider. I'm not in that room. I've never been in that room, but I'm just going to say that I would trust the leadership group that is uh, Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Philippe Deneau. You know, there's veterans on this team. You know, Matt Roy's been around a while now. Alex Adler's been here. So, like, I, 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 I genuinely think that the group is has the right leadership and they're mature enough to 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 handle this. Um, we're all human, 
and especially some of these guys have been with quick for a long time. Like, of course it's going to have some sort of effect the first week or so here, probably right. You, the first practice, he's not there. The first game, he's not there. The first road trip. He's so that, that stuff, you see him in another Jersey in (laughs) or wherever he ends up. That stuff could, that's, you know, we're human. Um, But I'm inclined to think the effect on the room, given the leadership group and the, some of the veterans there, I'm inclined to think it's it's not a it's not that big of a deal, but that's me in Rochester saying that. <laughs> what do I know? Question. Last question before we get on here. Jael coming in here. How did how are the Kings better without Quick? I think we all knew he's been struggling for some time, but did the team get in return something better? Yes. Corpusalo, yeah. like, listen, if if you just look at, because there's two things, right? Because you can't start two goalies at once. So, yes, Corpusalo is better than Quick, but like in the games where Copley starts, Copley was starting anyway. So Corpusalo is the backup. So what's the difference, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that's why I I think Corpusalo has to play quite a bit here to kind of see really see if his feet get wet. So that and that's why he has to be better than Copley too. That's why I continue to say like whoever comes in by default is probably going to be better than quick, but they have to be better than Copley in order to play. Um, if so, he plays better than Copley down the stretch, do you think he starts in the play? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yes, he's significantly better than Jonathan quick. And again, like we need to be very clear here. Jonathan quick, as much as it sucks to say, like he hasn't been good. You could make the case for the argument. He's been one of the worst goalies in the league this year. Um, so yes, Corpusalo is an upgrade on that, but Corpusalo needs to be an upgrade on Phoenix Copley, more importantly. All right, let's get in here to DraftKings, our favorite sponsor and our only sponsor on this pod. DraftKings season never ends with DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports. You can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, hockey, and more. Plus, same-game parlay, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props. Your betting options feel endless. Do you want to bet the over against Montreal and then Deneau snipes one in against his old team? You can do that. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for details. Uh, I'll just say, Randon, while we were talking about um, the the trades and what's coming next and yada, yada, and all that stuff, um, take it for what it's worth. It could be nothing. Samuel Fagimo and Helge Granz, neither of them were in the lineup tonight for Ontario. That's uh, Kyle Garcia, our our uh, hockey royalty rain correspondent, uh, noted that. And uh, uh, rain insider Josh Schaefer said uh, Samuel Fagimo is unavailable tonight. Did not specify whether it was due to mm. for what the reason was. So um, take that for what it's worth. All right, all right. I mean, you're looking at – that's a big player. I mean, Fagimo, if it's not injury-related – you know, or illness related. I mean, he's a he's a best <clears throat> top six player on that team. So we'll see how that see how that shakes out here. Hey, the chat is wild tonight. Thank you guys for coming in here. Uh, about oh yeah, thanks, in. It's awesome. Um, let's get let's get going into here now. 
knowing Joe and he's a <laughs> Buffalo savage over there, uh, was probably more excited about this trade than than the other one. Eric Portillo, uh, unsigned uh, draftee, uh, for plays for Michigan uh, for the Buffalo Sabers. Kings trade a third round pick to get him. Uh, Buffalo drafted him in the third round, 67th overall in 2019. Obviously, he remains unsigned because he is playing college hockey. They can't sign until afterwards. Uh, but we've been talking about this all year with goalie depth. They um, they have a guy by the name of Levi who is yep. who is killing it, um, and they have 6K uh, who is killing it. So he Portillo seemed like the odd man out. Um, rumor was he wanted a test for agency because he didn't believe he was going to get a, a realistic chance to play. Uh, but the kid's massive. Yeah, six six. Uh, he over 200 pounds, uh, 225 pounds to be exact, flexible, sucks up a lot of the net. Um, you tweeted out earlier today that Scott Wheeler wrote yep. multiple articles about him and his stuff at Michigan. So if you have the Athletic, go uh, uh, follow a friend of the pod, Scott Wheeler, and get that. But he rated him sixth in Buffalo Sabres prospect pool, which is also rated six, sixth overall uh, in the entire league by Scott Wheeler. So to get a top prospect for a third round pick in a position of need for the depth of our prospect pool kind of seems like a steal, doesn't it, Joe? Yeah, it's a great move. Now, I'm sure Kings fans are going to be twitching because the last time they traded for a goaltender from Buffalo who wasn't going to sign, he signed a three-year deal worth $5 million per year, and he's currently playing in the Ontario Reign. So it didn't work out so well. <laughs> um but that said, this is the type of move you make. You know, this is exactly the, the, the type of move that you you should be looking to do. Uh, he's a big goalie. His numbers this year are not as good as they were last year. But as Scott Wheeler notes in his write-up, um, he says the team in front of him at Michigan, not nearly as strong defensively, and he thinks that he's played uh, quite well. So um, I would say that, listen, I see some 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 comments, and I was somebody that, as you know, Randon has been talking about Portillo for for a while now. About hey, if he doesn't sign, this is a perfect fit. Like get somebody to to he jumps immediately to the top of the prospect pool in terms of goaltenders for the Kings organization, right? So that is a that is a uh, uh, that is in itself kind of a big deal. But let's pump the brakes. If we learn nothing, he is not. The goalie of the future. He is not the next Jonathan Quick. Maybe he will be, but let's not let's not go there. Let's just say, look at it this way: the Kings made a move to acquire the rights, mind you, the rights. He has not signed or anything like that. They've acquired the rights to Eric Portillo, who would become the Kings' best goaltending prospect. Let's just leave it at that right now. <laughs> let's not make any proclamations that he's going to be the future because the last time that happened, it didn't go so well. So. Good move. I think it's a the the type of move that that the Kings should be doing. You got GM Rob Blake did a great job uh, to address the lack of goalies that would have been solid uh, or that would be solid once uh, developed. Still wondering what the plan is for Valalta. He seems to be playing with the AHL. Any future plans for him? This is where it's going to come down to. I think you're going to look at. I think Portillo will probably be in Ontario after the Michigan season could be this year. Be. If he signs, um, then you'll have Cal down there. You'll have Valalta and Portillo. So that'll be interesting. Does he get moved to like, uh, you know, my favorite uh, ECHL team, the Swamp Rabbits <laughs> to get some time. We'll see how it kind of goes from there. Um, I think a lot of people 
believe that he'll compete for a spot in the NHL out of camp next year. I mean, I don't know where he'll fit in. I mean, it, it, stranger things have happened. You know, goalies are freakish. Um, but I think the glaring need has nobody stepped up in the prospect pool from the goalie standpoint. So he becomes the best goalie prospect um, in our organization. It'll probably be him and Volalta next season. Um, if Volalta doesn't feel like he needs to move on, he only signed a one-year deal uh, to go to another place where maybe he has more of a pathway. Um, you know, maybe they envision not signing Corpusella back, and it's him and Portillo next season, as far as Copley is concerned. Um, you know, who knows how they feel about this? I just think that the team got better. Uh, he's one of the best goalie prospects in the in the mm-hmm. NHL. They gave up a third, realistically. You know, uh, are you going to get a player that might be mm-hmm. as good as him? Who knows? But it would take five years to develop that guy. This guy's four years in college, playing at one of the best universities. That Michigan team was stacked. He had like a 2.14 goals against average uh, uh, with that team. Um, and so I think it's uh, I think it's something to look at. Uh, also, the goalie room gets cheaper, right? I mean, so if they're able to move on from Cal and figure out a way to do that, I mean, you get value out of a, a, a goalie room there. So I'm, I'm all in on this. Like, this kid is – yeah. This kid is seems like one of those types of players where he just kind of got pushed by the wayside. I think Devin Levi was like a seventh round pick, right, and just came out of nowhere. So like, yeah, he and he's been he's lighting up again in Northeastern. Yeah, so you're looking at a player that they didn't really expect to take Portillo's job, taking Portillo's job. So you know, it's something here that that we desperately needed, and I, and I really like the return. I mean, third round pick is nothing. Um, in, in this day and age, if you get a goalie that can play any sort of time, and I think you'll probably see him sniff some games next season in and out, depending on injury. And you're most likely looking at him, probably the goalie, probably the starter of 2025, barring any setbacks. I mean, he seems to be pretty, pretty much moving forward at a good pace. And that's, I don't know if that's too much in your opinion, Joe, to say, but um, you don't I'm really not going move there. I'm not going there. You don't really, yeah. you don't really move a third round pick and and make this move if you don't think that he has a realistic chance of of playing for your team. I certainly think that they think he probably has a chance to be somebody that's pushing for the NHL in a couple of years. It's just, you know, my thoughts on on goalies, and I know the question about Volalta. Volalta's had probably his best season statistically um, since he's turned pro, so I think he's doing probably about all that he can do. Um, and maybe if the Kings were in a situation where they weren't playing in a playoff position uh, for a playoff position that, um, you know, maybe he gets a look in the NHL, but obviously they're trying there. Every, every point matters right now. So that's not going to happen this year. Um, but it seems like Volalt is doing, you know, his part in the AHL and, and he's got a 921 save percentage. Cal Pearson's got a 916. So the goaltending in Ontario has been pretty good. Do you, uh, do you envision Rob Blake making a big move in the offseason in the goalie position, or do you think he's going to take the season with a lot of these guys? Like Volalta could take a next step up and be the number two if he has a really good offseason. You could bring in a, another Phoenix Copley type goaltender to be in the mix and play in the AHL if Volalta's playing really well. You're going to have Portillo there, or do you think that? Hey, like we signed Copley to be the backup and we need to go out and I can get a dude. I, so I think Copley was signed and I think that he's probably got the inside track to be the backup. I don't, there's no way 
I don't think that they're going to go into next season with Matt Valtez as even a possible backup unless something goes wrong. I think Copley probably could slot there. And then the, the question becomes, Randon, do they go with do you know a Corpusalo on a one year deal? Do they go with a you know go Arlamov. down the list of some of Arlamov and Freddie Anderson? Do they you know go that route, Mackenzie Blackwood, or do they go the Thatcher Demko route, uh, somebody like that? That's the question, right? And I I don't know, um, and, and that's I don't if know. They don't give Valalta a shot. Then when is he ever going to get one? Well, that's that's a great question, and maybe it, yeah, maybe this could be Valalta's last time that he that he's he's in Ontario. I, that's a good question. Maybe he looks an opportunity uh, elsewhere. That's that because obviously this year they they chose Copley, right? There was a decision to make when they yeah. waived Cal, and it was Copley. So um, I don't know that that could be the case, Brandon. I think uh, Johnny Vamp, uh, Vampatna here said, "Have I already bought uh, my seats on the Clark train, and now well, I'm on, I'm on the Portillo train." There's no way you're talking me out of this trip, Joe. There's no <laughs> hey, way. And I, I, I do want to be clear because I know I was a guy that, that talked about Portillo originally. So I don't want to like now that they got him. Like, I just I get nervous with goalies, Randon. I get nervous with. Now you, I can see the anxiety on your face over there, Joe. But <laughs> don't don't be fooled, people listening. Joe is smitten with Portillo, and I think that yes. he believes that he he can do do some damage if given yep. the opportunity. Uh, he just wants to proceed with caution and not throw $5 million his way uh, <laughs> just yet. So um, uh, five side coming in here. I can't wait next season until Clark and Spence challenge for a roster spot. I, I like it. I like next season's going to be awesome. And that right side of the D going to be interesting. Like it was this year. I think yep. Portillo ultimately good sign. We'll see where he goes after the AHL, whether it's the ECHL or, or I mean, I mean, after the NCAA, is it the AHL? Is it the ECHL? Um, you know, where he goes in. Um, I assume Rob Blake made this trade with talking to the agent of Portillo because that would be kind of a, a, a major oomph if he goes, oh, well, no, I'm not going to sign with you guys. And we just threw uh, Buffalo a third round pick for nothing. So I, I assume he talked to the agent. I'm not worried about this getting signed because you don't really make that trade without talking, uh, talking to the guys upstairs there about money. Let's move forward here at the Kings as a whole there, Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we don't think that they're going to be done. Rob Blake has uh, signaled that they're not going to be done this offseason. You know, you you know the landscape of the NHL overall better than I do. Are there any names out there that you believe now are obtainable? Is is, is Sean Monahan going to be available for a second round pick? Do you think he needs a first to be getting? Or is he, are you able to get him for a Fagimo and a Grands as as a rental? Like where where do you feel that the Kings and maybe throw out some names that have been uh, kind of percolating in your mind as, as depth pieces? Well, I can tell you that um, I, I'm interested to hear what, when Blake was talking about depth. Um, to me, that just reeks of, and I don't mean reeks in a bad way, it just smells like this is a, like a forward depth move. So you alluded to a third line center. I can absolutely see Blake looking to acquire a bottom six centerman. Um, now, Sean Monahan's hurt, so I, I don't know that they're going to go get a Sean Monahan. I, I, that's that's a tough one. I know Russ is a fan. Russell Morgan's a fan of Nick Benino. That's somebody that I would expect to be on the move here. Um, 
I'm I'm genuinely curious on on where this goes because I just I'm I'm I want to see where where Rob Blake takes us because again I'm looking at this as if to say it didn't really solve the D problem but if he thinks they solved the D problem then they're going to look at a forward so uh, yeah I see Nick Bugstad and you know he's going to go I mean Nick Bugstad's going to get traded here it looks like so he could be somebody that that goes uh absolutely um so i, I thought sense, i thought, I thought gosh despair would have been a nice piece even though he just got traded <laughs> to carolina but i think he would have been Which a nice a piece in tandem with gravikov yeah agree and you have gosh second pair and then you have gavrikov as the third randon that improves your decor yeah <laughs> yes I very much agree with that, uh, but my sense here is that, and and I hope I'm wrong. I I, I, st- I actually kind of hope it's still a D man, but my sense is that it's it's probably a depth forward. Um, who that is, it's hard to say. I mean, I know he he spoke. I won't say glowingly, but he talked positively about Rasmus Kapari. He talked about how well he's been penalty killing, but. Todd McClellan has noted like the fourth line has been caved in a couple of games here and hasn't gone so well. So I would not be surprised to see them look to go for another forward. That's somebody that is a little bit more Gavrikovy, meaning a little bit bigger, a little bit more of a heavier game. That, that wouldn't surprise me. Do you think that Rasmus Kapari would be better on the third line? With no. A, with a playmaker like Fiala? I think so. I do think the Lions right now are a little disjointed, and I know I I, I would get Kupar, I would get uh, excuse me Fiala off of that second line, and I would move him back down um, with with Lazat. I just I think Deneau can handle that line and, and push that line himself. Maybe put Velarde uh, up with with um, uh, Arvidsson or or or, or Kalia for that matter until, until Moore gets back. Um, I, I would try that. I, I think it's. I think that in itself would help kind of balance things out a little bit. I think you're seeing the second lines feels a little disjointed to me, and you're not getting the same effectiveness out of the bottom six. And it's amazing, right? Trevor Moore goes out, and you're seeing kind of the ripple effect that it has. I now there's two things here one it happens on a road trip and a tough one at that but two like I, I i think that's what happens sometimes and there's different fits and i don't think fiala necessarily fits with deno and arvidson it was going so well with lazat like i would have just tried to keep that together that was going great um so that's that's where i'm at with with that i, I wouldn't move kapari up i think if anything i would move if they acquire somebody you could, depending on who it is, you could move Lazat down and then put that new acquisition in the middle. Um, but I have Lazat, like I said, he's if, if especially if Fiala's on his wing, Lazat, I'm I'm kind of in on Lazat as my uh, my third liner there. I kind of like him. Has uh, to me the lines of field, all of them have felt disjointed. Even the first line, I don't think the first line. I mean, I understand that Kopi scored four goals and all this kind of stuff and Byfield. But it just seems like they've been a little disjointed as well. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a the stretch of of the road trip, just being a brutal road trip, and you know they go through a little bit of a skid here. But I'm not asking for it to be thrown in a blender. I just think that it needs to be tweaked for sure. 
I think you would see that though. I, I genuinely think if you, if you, there's two things here. One, you're on a road trip. So the home team's going to have the matchups. And so that Kopitar lineup is going to get, I, I assume they're going to get the toughest matchups they're going to face rather than when they're at home, they're going to have slightly easier matchups. And as you mentioned, Kopitar's coming up a four goal game. So I, I think the issue for me is, is more right now with the rest of the, the lines where it's just something ain't clicking here. You know, maybe it's just the road trip, maybe whatever, but something ain't clicking. And I think part of it is, again, you just take that one piece that is Trevor Moore out and just things get jumbled. And, you know, I, I think that, that that can happen sometimes. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. It's going to be interesting. Uh, two more days, so all the smoke and dust settles. Uh, Hockey Royalty will be doing a live feed. Uh, Joe and Russell will be on there. I will be uh, earning money at work, so uh, my analysis will not be given on there. But they're going to be breaking down uh, not only the Kings trade. I'm sure we'll talk about the the Gavrikov trade again. Uh, you know, getting Russell's opinion. Any any future Kings trades that break. All the stuff that goes across, uh, you know, the West, the Eastern Conference. I think they're just going to break it down at all. I mean, because it's been wild. Kane in New York, yada yada yada. I mean, it's just, I mean, the East East looks re- retarded right now. Like they, they are just, excuse my language, but they, they just look stacked. Like it just, uh, it doesn't seem like anybody out of the West is even going to compete in the standing. And they're not done. Those teams, are, no. I'm sure, like the Toronto's got a first round pick to still play with. Like they're not. I, I don't think these teams are done over there. So it's we'll crazy. see how this goes on and, and, and who interesting hockey is a lot. You love trade <laughs> deadline time. You hate it. A lot of emotions. Ultimately always going to think quick for his time in LA. And we'll, we'll have a full podcast segment dedicated to his time here when things kind of, when things kind of settle and, and really acknowledge what he's done for the LA Kings. So be there for, uh, you know, have your phone available at work if you're at work and, and get all your trade deadline uh, info from Hockey Royalty. We're doing it live there at Friday. Uh, we'll send out a tweet exactly for the start time there. You can always follow us at HockeyRoyalty.com. Follow uh, all of our Twitters. Are there scrolling across the bottom. Uh, hockey underscore Royalty at Rando Commando 24 at NHL Russell at JW Paterino. Please smash that like button. Subscribe. Hit the bell so you get notifications when we're going live. Hey, tell your friends, man. We're trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers on here on the channel. Just Get on their phone, press subscribe for them. They never even know what happens. You help us out. Really appreciate it there. Joe, always a pleasure. You know, it feels good to go back to these uh, making it rain days. Obviously, we miss <laughs> Russell, but, uh, it, you know, get a little one-on-one time, you know, a little 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 boys' night out, you know, that type of thing, and, uh, yeah. and throw back there. It feels good. Uh, Russell will be with you guys on Friday. Yes. Man, Kings – Kings starting to move in the right direction. I really like it. Really enjoy it. It makes hockey interesting again. Uh, it was always kind of depressing to see, like, oh, are we going to get enough picks for this player or that <laughs> player? Now we're making moves. Uh, so it, it it definitely did something different there. So appreciate you guys in the chat. Chat was freaking lit tonight. Uh, tons of guys throwing in comments there. Really appreciate all the support from you guys um, on on this pod. And and as always, go Kings go. <laughs>